Hi everyone, this is Fahim Norelli. Welcome back to the Climate Finance Podcast. Today is actually going to be a really special episode. We'll be interviewing Darren Moans. My colleague Rachel Soares from London will be leading the interview. I mean, we're really fortunate to have Darren on the show today. So I hope you enjoy the episode and I'm going to turn it over to Rachel. Thanks so much, Fahim. I'm very happy to be back as a guest host, adding a European twist to the podcast. So as Fahim mentioned, we're very fortunate to have Canadian-born but Dutch-based Darren Moens with us. Darren is an executive for capital raising and business development at Climate Fund Managers, where he helps to develop the investment strategy and mandate for new climate change investment funds. I don't want to go into too much detail about Climate Fund Managers, as Darren is the expert, so I'll turn it over to you, Darren. Would Do you be able to provide us with a bit of background on Climate Fund Managers, why and how it was developed, and maybe give us a bit of information as to what makes Climate Fund Managers unique as a climate-focused investment manager? Uh, Certainly. Thanks a lot, uh, Rachel, for inviting me here today and for giving me the chance uh, to speak with you and Fahim on your uh, podcast. It's uh, quite nice, you know, as a Canadian based abroad to also have a chance to reconnect a little bit with other Canadians that are focused on this space. So to give a little bit of background on climate fund managers and climate fund managers is quite an interesting firm uh, from my perspective, because it actually starts as a company, essentially as a uh, private public partnership from its origins. And it was initially started up by the Development Finance Institution of the Netherlands. So that's an institution part owned by the Dutch government, which has a mandate to provide climate finance at sort of somewhere between market and aid sort of concessional funding terms across developing nations. And is quite similar to the newly uh, established Canadian Development Bank, the, the FinDev Canada. So the origins for Climate Fund Manager come from around, I think, 2014. And at the time, uh, this was before the landmark Paris Agreement uh, with respect to, you know, on a sort of intergovernmental level, coming together to meaningfully cooperate on climate change mitigation, where, you know, the sort of political negotiations were a little bit stalled. And a number of government, notably the US, Germany, and the United Kingdom, We're looking to maybe spark a little bit more life in the private sector to take up some of the challenge of financing climate finance in the emerging market that would, you know, hopefully, I don't want to use the words fill a vacuum, but would play an important role that would then be complemented when, you know, the more public sector cooperation would also get up and running. So essentially what happened is these three governments launched or or put together what was essentially a a climate finance lab where they called for proposals from the private sector to essentially say, look, you know, if you want to mobilize funding into climate infrastructure or climate finance generally in emerging markets, you know, what's your idea? What would you do differently uh, than what's currently being done in the market? And why should we, you know, the public sector give you some money to, to support that and to, you know, to to hopefully unlock greater volumes of commercial capital. So what FMO, the Dutch Development Bank, did at the time is they put forward a proposal that in their mind would do two things. So firstly, it would essentially create more projects that focus very much on renewable energy. And secondly, you know, when these projects or these feasible business concepts were developed, it would you know, create a financing vehicle that would not just be a limited pool of public money financing these, 
but would bring along the commercial sector at scale, which is very relevant because if you look at the size of, of capital markets, you know, we're talking, I think, 30, 40 trillion dollars in equity, the, the size of these markets. And if you look at, you know, public aid funding, I think that's something like $150 billion per year. So you see, you know, it's exponentially more money available in, in, in commercial markets. So the the idea that was put forward was essentially to create a fund structure where you would use a certain amount of public money to fund the initial stage of projects. So essentially going from, you know, a concept to a fully proven you know, and feasible project design with all the relevant, you know, uh, partners on board from those who would build the project to those who would purchase the renewable energy and then have that working in combination with a much larger fund, which would use a limited number amount of public money to create sort of a, a junior or risk bearing tranche in this investment fund, which would then entice, you know, institutional investors in Europe, in North America and abroad to put their capital at work in these projects. So. That proposal garnered a lot of support in this forum. We were able to secure from the Dutch government and others, I think, 50 million euros and up of money to take this forward. And I think since about 2015 or so, we've been moving to implement the this strategy. We've managed to raise for renewable energy about $850 million in the last three years uh, to go to work in emerging markets. And, and that's really, you know, the thesis and the origin story of, of climate fund managers which for me, I, I think is quite an interesting case because it is, you know, from its inception, a, a very much a public-private partnership as a uh, investment vehicle. And I, I think another key element to add is that as this started to get up and running, FMO sort of in that spirit of public-private partnership, very early on brought on board Sanlam InfraWorks, which is part of the Sanlam Financial Holding Group out of South Africa which is a very large diversified insurance asset management group. And which is also very interesting for us because that, you know, for a fund focused on working in emerging markets is also co-owned by an institution out of the emerging markets. So it has a genuine sort of, let's say north-south, if I can call it like that, DNA in, in the company from its inception. Great. Thanks so much, Darren. And I think that provides a really comprehensive overview as to how Climate Fund Managers was born and the uniqueness of your offering, specifically in a, a market where we are typically seeing uh, a lot of public funds being available for for project developers, but specifically this public this public private partnership, I think, is something that that could potentially be of interest um, to our clients in regards to leveraging um, different sources of finance. So. I guess I would like to maybe explore that a little bit further, specifically when it comes to the funds that you have available. I know when we have previously been in touch, Climate Investor One was the the main fund that Climate Fund Managers managed. And it looks like you now have a Climate Investor Two uh, fund that is also operating. And I, I'm not sure when it was officially launched, but it, it would be great to, to better understand what each of the each of those funds look at when it comes to criteria, if there's sectoral focuses that they are specifically interested in, any sort of detail along those lines would be great. Yeah, certainly. Happy to expand a little bit on that. And let me also try to frame it, you know, from the perspective of understanding if you are, you know, a developer in Canada or, or elsewhere that is looking to to invest with us, how we work. So I think 
you know, for what, what's maybe useful to explain is that the way both funds work is very much the same. And, you know, the types of partnerships and the types of projects we fund has very a lot in common. And in, indeed, as you alluded to, the, the distinction is very much from a sectoral focus. So the first fund, Climate Investor One, that is focused on mainstream renewable energy. So wind, solar power, some smaller scale hydro. Uh, that fund actually also enjoys the support of uh, FinDev Canada. I think we had the privilege of being one of the first investments that the newly established uh, DFI placed. And for us, you know, one of the key reasons to look, focus on renewable energy is, of course, from a climate perspective, it's fairly obvious. I, I think you know a lot of the efforts around climate uh, change have focused on reducing reliance on fossil fuels. But also, and I think where this is quite relevant for a lot of developers, the renewable energy market is big. It's booming, it's well-established, and it's, it's, it's definitely a sector where you can do you know, business and make an impact right out of the gates, which is, of course, very important for a, a new fund and a new fund manager. The second fund that we are working on, this is uh, Climate Investor 2. Uh, we are essentially just using the climate investor name and adding a number each time we progress. It is a fund that we've developed starting in close cooperation again with the Dutch government and also with support from FMO and the European Commission. It has the same thesis. So it's essentially using a certain amount of public money to develop projects and to mobilize commercial money in a larger investment fund. But it it is chasing a slightly broader slightly newer and a slightly harder sector, which is a the waste, or sorry, water, wastewater, waste, and a certain amount of ecosystem projects related to water and, and coastal ecosystems. A uh, little bit of background on that fund. So I, I think we were partly looking towards, you know, areas that from a climate change perspective are quite critical as a slight contrast to renewable energy are also more underfunded. That was Quite a theme for the Dutch government and other donors that, you know, to use their money in sectors that can definitely use more help developing the sector. And I think for us, what's quite interesting about it is we are very much like Climate Investor One looking for, you know, reducing greenhouse gases, but there's also a very strong climate adaptation angle. So if you look at, for instance, the impacts of a warming climate, you know, firstly, those are much more experienced in countries which are closer to the equator, i.e., you know, most developing markets. So if you are an investment firm focused on developing countries, climate adaptation is not really something you need to look, you know, 20, 30 years from now, but it's something a lot of those countries are looking to, you know, set up investments in already today. So that that has been our progression from renewable energy focused very much on climate mitigation to these, you know, water, wastewater, waste ecosystems focused broadly on climate mitigation and adaptation. What I think stays roughly the same is is the types of projects that we're trying to create. So whether it is, say, a water treatment plant, you know, that is providing you know additional supplies of water, even in you know a warming climate to to a city, or whether it is a renewable energy project, we are looking essentially at ideally local or regional or international project developers with a local or regional expertise and footprint. They may have a, a concept for a project that you know fills a local need, but you know there is still a lot of work to do to you know negotiate the broad outline of you know what is the revenue contract. You know, will you be paid per megawatt hour of, of power that you supplied? Will you be paid you know per cubic meter of water that you supply, or, or will you be paid 
essentially for setting up and making available a facility within certain uh, parameters. And, you know, following from that, how should you construct this project? You know, what are the types of firms that should do this? What types of contracts should you have with them? What permits does that need? All of these items, including, you know, what land do you need? What is the environmental and social impact of that? How do you go about that in a, a proper way? That, that period can take anywhere from one to three years. It's, it's quite a risky period. So we tend to look for partners that have a concept, have local footprint, need you know financial capacity and expertise in designing a project to a level that it is yeah, quote unquote bankable according to international standards. And we you know will provide anywhere from half to three quarters of the money to, to get to that stage. And in exchange for doing that, we are looking essentially to write a larger check to fund the construction of that asset when the development stage ends. And what is quite interesting about our offering is that we, in many of our markets, are also able to finance slightly smaller projects. So these may be projects you know, that are 20, 30, 50 million dollars compared to 100 plus million dollar projects. And to make that a little bit simpler, we typically can fund that directly ourselves without bringing in banks. That allows a project to go from development to construction to realizing its revenues and its impacts in, in a pretty efficient, and we have the you know capacity to fund a, a lot of that uh, directly ourselves. So essentially that process, you know, it, it's not hugely different whether or not it's a uh, renewable energy project or, or a waste or a water project. Obviously, you know, the types of partners we seek to work with, you know, would we would look for those that had a track record in either sector. So, so there's some differentiation there. But it, it is, you know, across both strategies, for the most part, a, a, a renewable or sorry, an infrastructure investment program with a lot of common features. So if, if we did have a Canadian company that was coming in at that development phase, and you did mention already the bankable element, the local partner element, the track record element, are there any other pieces of criteria that project developers need to be aware of before they potentially seek to reach out to yourself or colleagues in regards to partnering together? Yeah, no, that's a really good question because... It rarely is, you know, very, let's say, black and white as to, you know, what you need to to have to have a good project. So I I think for ourselves, you know, what what is quite key is that we we look for parties that bring some competencies and some track record to this. So if you, you know, are a company that wants to do, for instance, a renewable energy project, I think, you know, one of the first things we look at is, you know, have you done similar projects before or if not similar, are they smaller or are they similar projects, but in a, a different country? And, and you know, we, we fully support companies and developers that have track record in one country and want to expand in a new country. That's that's typically what's necessary to make infrastructure investments work in developing countries. And then I think you know the second key thing we're looking at is you know does this project have a realistic commercial model? So so for us, you know, as an equity investor, we are interested in owning a, a distinct asset. And we are interested in having a, a credible party that is, you know, sees the need for this asset and wants to buy it, its services, whether that is, you know, green energy, whether that is clean water, or, or what it may be. So I, th- I think for us, that that mix of you know having a credible and onboard revenue element, and also having some track record and expertise, so that we can act a bit more as a financing partner 
and you, you know, as the Canadian or, or other company, you know, will take the lead on the day-to-day management uh, and making this project go from concept to an operational company. I think that type of intel will definitely be helpful to to the companies that, that we work with and the offering that you mentioned when it comes to working with a, de- a project moving from development to construction and, and onwards is again quite unique and I would assume to be quite appealing as well. So hopefully uh, this type of intelligence is is of use and of interest to some of the Canadian companies that we work with. I guess when it comes to what climate fund managers see as being the future for climate investment. We, you've spoken about Climate Investor 1 and Climate Investor 2. Is there scope for Climate Investor 3 and 4? Yeah, I think, you know, anybody in the climate space sees the, the huge momentum and also, I think, often the certain amount of uncertainty in, in you know, which way is this going, which, you know, what does the future bring? Uh, I think from our side, we're hoping to get the formal launch of Climate Investor 2 just in the next month or two. So it's perhaps on a personal level, slightly harder to see farther than that at the moment. But I I, I think, you know, we have been set up deliberately by the Dutch Development Bank, but also by, by, uh, by Sandlam to continue to put forward, you know, financing solution for pressing climate issues. So, you know, given where we are with Climate Investor 1 and Climate Investor 2, if these funds, you know, continue to to be as successful as they've been, and if the sentiment of our investors is that they, you know, like what we are doing and want to back us to to move into new sectors, it's very much our ambition to to play as big of a role as we can play in you know the the flows of financing that need to happen between now and whenever indeed we are reaching a, a net zero future. What does that you know strictly mean or or specifically mean for 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 Climate Investor Three and beyond? I think there will be a moment where we need to look at ourselves and think what we want to do next. I think, you know, where we are sort of sort of in the space between public impact objectives, but also commercial objectives, you need to have a strategy that one is doing something that is significant, you know, in the context of climate change. Two is doing something that is commercially relevant, but is not too obvious, i.e., there should be a certain amount of uh, lack of funding or lack of players in a space that entice the public sector to to provide a certain amount of funding to to us to to enter that space and and then of course you know you need to also bring along the, the private sector who who sees the commercial opportunity there so you know I, I think from our side one of the areas of course that we're quite interested in is is this growing trend towards uh, investing in the protection of nature we have Within uh, Climate Investor 2, we have carved out a sort of yeah a subsector, let's say, that, that allows us within the context of you know, water or, or coastal ecosystems to do uh, some investments. And, and one of the reasons why that is, is if we look holistically at you know, managing water or wastewater, some of the most effective ways to do that you know, are essentially to use natural ecosystems to you know, regulate the the flow and the quality of water Uh, just by way of example if you for instance have all of the uh, upstream areas from a city you know deforested you will have a cycle of you know flooding when it's wet and drought when it's dry and you can build however many hundred million dollars of reservoirs as you like but that's not fundamentally going to to change compared to you know while it may take much longer if you you 
know, restore the, the, the those hillside forests, you will have you know a, a much more balanced um, flow of water uh, throughout the year. So we are hoping you know to to build the track record and the skill sets in these sectors already to a certain extent in Climate Investor too, and we need to see you know whether that can serve let's say as a springboard to to be a bit more active in the sector for for climate investor 3 but you know i i would say for us which direction we go in terms of climate finance is something that we're very much going to take stock of you know together with our investors together with our donors once climate investor 2 is up and running and and is at work Well, thank you very much, Darren. I think you've provided uh, a very comprehensive overview of climate fund managers, but also really sort of positive future outlook as to where you think your funds might be heading. Specifically, I appreciate that nature avenue, given that there's certainly a strength when it comes to Canadian offering on that side as well. So we will absolutely be in touch, but thanks again for for providing um, your thoughts on on climate fund managers and and uh, how potentially Canadian companies can look to work with you. Yes, uh, th- thank you very much, Rachel. It's been great to, to be here with you uh, today. I think perhaps as a closing note from my side, you know, as we get uh, this second fund up and running, we are very much, you know, building the, our networks in the space of project developers in the water, wastewater and waste sector. If there are in your network, you know, Canadian companies that are interested in these sectors and in developing projects internationally in these sectors, we'd certainly be open uh, to any discussions with them. Thank you both to Rachel and Darren for for this really insightful interview. And I think it's timely given that COP is next week at the time of this recording. So we really want to see where climate funds are are playing a, a significant role. And it's great to hear that we have a second Climate 2 fund and other funds in, in the horizon. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please provide any feedback you have. And I look forward to our next interviews in the coming weeks.